Welcome to Left Out, reality-based independent radio on WRCT 88.3 FM and podcasting on the World Wide Web uh, from leftout.info. Uh, left Out discusses the news from a perspective left out of the mainstream media. I'm, I'm uh, Bob Harbour. I'm Danny Slater. And today's program is produced by John Kotruba. Uh, listeners are, as ever, invited to call the program uh, during during the show, during the next hour, at 412-268-9728. If you like, you can also send email to bobbyleftout.info, or you can also join the AOL chat room, Left Out, uh, two words, during the show, and we can uh, have a little uh, side chat, if you like, or if you wish to uh, put a question to us through the, uh, through the chat line, uh, that might also prove handy. So uh, one announcement uh, before we get started with our show. Tonight on Channel 13 at 9 o'clock, uh, the documentary from Frontline called a dark, The Dark Side. The documentary about, who do you think it's about, Bob? <laughs> Dick Cheney. Yeah, Dick Cheney. So uh, I, I prop, looks like a good program, so I recommend uh, I'm going to check it out myself. 9 o'clock tonight, tonight on yeah. Channel 13 television. So a uh, special guest for the day is uh, Daniel Ellsberg, who's a, um, a former defense analyst who's famous for many reasons, including the fact that he leaked the Pentagon Papers uh, about uh, Vietnam back in the, I think, the late 60s that he did that. Daniel, are you there? I'm here. Can you tell me the uh, frequency you go on? Uh, 88.3 FM in uh, Pittsburgh area. Say again. I'm sorry. I want to tell somebody. 80, 88.3 in Pittsburgh okay, uh, area. Right. And it's also, uh, you can you also, also get a podcast from stream, live streaming. Uh, live streaming from leftout.info. Uh, well, okay, w- and it's 88.3 FM, right? Right. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But it's only, only, but he's only going to get it if he's if he's if he's within a you know he's only going to get it if he's within a couple of miles within uh, yeah 20, five miles, 20 miles twenty miles so. yeah yeah so we'll see okay so okay. welcome to, welcome to left out uh, Daniel Ellsberg thank you. So, so we were prompted uh, to invite you uh, to be on the program today because of a uh, speech you gave at American University in Washington uh, about around about a month ago called a coup, yeah. a coup has occurred. And I wondered if you might uh, start out uh, today by uh, summarizing uh, maybe the main points in your speech. Well, for a couple of years, I've been worried at the direction that the executive branch was taking the claims they were making for secrecy and for presidential power and uh, the apparent, their apparent belief that the president is virtually unrestrained in his ability to start wars or to um, detain people indefinitely. And I thought of, I've been warning people that uh, things could get a lot worse, which is still true, in terms that uh, if there were another 9-11, or if, as I think this administration is heading toward, if there was a war with Iran, starting with an attack by the United States on Iran. In either case, I felt that there would be a real close-down of our democracy, that our government would decisively change, uh, even though it's been on a path in that direction for a while, but that we'd see a dramatic change. Well, I still believe that, but I did realize, wake up actually, uh, one morning with the words in my head, a coup has occurred. It's not the last coup. I think there'll be another one. If we let it happen, and with another 9-11, it will really uh, be decisive and will complete the effects of the first one. But to say that, uh, as the government has, that they were able to deny habeas corpus to initially to thousands of Middle Easterners and to hold many of them, hundreds of them, for a long time without letting them see lawyers, the 
without any context, that rolls back not just the Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment and everything to do with due process uh, incorporated in our Bill of Rights. It really goes back long before King George III to the period of John I, back around 1215, 1264, the Magna Carta. They're really rolling back rights that have existed in Anglo-American law for hundreds of years. And more more immediately, going back only a little over 200 years, um, it's clear that this administration does not really believe in the Constitution as written with its checks and balances and its independence and uh, overlapping powers, Congress, the courts, and the executive branch, but rather believes in a one-branch government, the executive, which really can't be questioned or restrained by either of the other branches, and has no need, by the way, to inform the fourth branch of the press or the, uh, or the public, uh, to the extent that they, they just feel like. So you've got uh, really a monarchy, the kind of very kind of thing that the revolution was fought in this country to avert to get out of, uh, these people have, to an amazing extent, actually brought it about already. As I said in the beginning, there's still a ways to go. Uh, NSA may or may not have anything left to do in the way of intruding on our phone lines and our email and our faxes and, and all of our uh, Internet uh, transactions, including banking transactions and everything else. They may be picking it all up, essentially, right now. We don't know because Congress has not been able to find out what the programs are that the president actually authorized on September 12th in some cases. And now it's turning out in a number of those cases well before September 12th. So when I say NSA, I'm referring to the National Security Agency, which was always, when I was in the government, directed toward overseas communications with foreigners, potential enemies and uh, was very clearly restricted from against uh, dealing, interfer- uh, interfering or hearing Americans here at home. That has clearly changed to a very massive extent, and the question is, is there really anything left? If there is, then that will accrue to them uh, with another 9-11. But um, another thing I think that could happen ahead that hasn't happened yet is very massive detention. As I said, already people were picked up. Uh, almost, I believe none have actually been charged with a crime, uh, with charges relating to terrorism or to 9-11. I don't think one of the people picked up has uh, actually been charged in that connection. If I'm wrong, it's uh, I'm sure it's something measured uh, on one hand. Yeah. But, um, uh, so, well, it could be much, right. much more. Uh, I think we could we could anticipate that hundreds of thousands of Middle Easterners would be picked up if there were another 9/11, and uh, the machinery for that, including detention camps and the legal legalization of that, has already uh, been achieved through Congress. Well, um, Tommy Franks uh, himself, after retiring, uh, after uh, overseeing the initial invasion and occupation of Iraq, uh, commented in 
a very popular magazine. I think it might have been Vanity Fair, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, he himself said, well, he thought that if there was another 9-11 type attack, that there, we would uh, suspend the Constitution. And this com yes. completely enraged... And I remember in the context, yeah. it wasn't entirely clear whether he was warning us exactly. in an <laughs> alarmist way or whether he was really saying, that's what will have to happen. We'll need that, and it's, it's the right thing. I've seen him quoted to both effects. That, yeah. Neither is very reassuring. Neither is very reassuring because what really enraged me was that the that the that the phrase would even come to his lips. So it, me, it meant to me that, that that this is something that has been discussed, uh, and he has discussed it himself. And regardless of what his opinion is, that's what's going on inside the government. And you know, it's hard for us to discuss in a brief time here, but let me just say that I'm aware of, and, and I'm not talking about classified information here, but material it is available, but uh, it takes a little digging to find it out. Plans that go back actually to the late 60s, I have to say, 67, under Lyndon Johnson, who I served. And uh, everyone since has made plans for potential martial law. Yes, that's right. In the event, initially, your first thought was in the event of a nuclear attack of some kind, in which case it would be hard to, uh, to argue with the need for that. Or a natural disaster, of course, we've seen Katrina already, in which not only, uh, the National Guard, having been pretty well occupied in Iraq at that point, they called in Blackwater Guards uh, in, uh, to help in Katrina. But the president actually wanted to uh, nationalize and use the nation, uh, National Guard under his control in uh, New Orleans, and the uh, governor there prevented him from doing that, and he felt so, the president felt so uh, discomforted by that, that uh, he arranged, actually more than a year later, for put a bill before Congress, which was almost not debated at all, in, the, in an amendment to uh, defense authorization, which allows the president, for the first time, to take control of National Guard and from one state, use it in another, in effectively police duties, a martial law type situation, uh, in another state without the permission of either of the governments, or governors of either of those states. So that law was, uh, that, is that, that's that enormous, enormous power in the president's hands. So that was already, uh, uh, that's accomplished. That's already been a law that's been passed? Yes, that has been passed. Okay. Changing will be will be very difficult. Uh, Senator Leahy complained sort of after the bill was passed for the Judiciary Committee, saying that, in effect, or not just in effect, this wiped out the Posse Comitatus Act of 1878, right. post-Civil War Act, which prevents the military from being used against American citizens in effectively police roles under, uh, under the president's control. That's has a number of presidents have actually thought of changing that, but he, he has actually accomplished that under the shadow of 9-11. Now, uh, more broadly, though, the question you raise is the one that Tommy Franks raised, which is the notion of suspending the Constitution. Now, as you and I know, there's nothing in the Constitution that provides for this to be suspended. Absolutely. That was a loophole, a, a fatal mm -hmm. loophole, in the German Constitution, the Weimar Constitution, which actually did provide for emergency powers uh, and the various emergencies to be given to the Chancellor 
and Hitler relied on that, actually, to move very quickly, abruptly, from a liberal constitutional democracy to a, uh, a dictatorship. And he did that, actually, constitutionally. Uh, he got a vote in March of 1933 on an enabling act, which allowed him to rule by decree, from after which the Reichstag was simply a debating society and not a hell of a of debating going on, if you, if you might guess. And they used um, the... They, rubber stamping what he did. Well, we've gotten really far along the line toward that already with the president's clearly unconstitutional use of his signing statements, in which, which he uses as, in effect, a line-item veto, where he says, I will obey this part of the law that I feel like or when I feel like it, and I'll disregard the rest of the law or other parts of the law. Various presidents, Democratic and Republican, have wanted that kind of power, and the Supreme Court, in a 7-to-1 decision, voted that down. And uh, uh, nevertheless, he's using it without any real challenge by Congress. And that means that he's really taken over the powers of the legislature. You have in one branch, then, uh, legislative capability, along with executive, and you could say judicial, too, because, of course, the, the military commissions that he set up, again, with the outrageous uh, compliance of, of Congress of the before the election in 2006, with a lot of Democrats voting against it, but a lot of Democrats uh, voting for it because they were afraid of being called, uh, going into the election, being called weak on terrorism, uh, weak in the sense that they were defending the Constitution against the usurpation by the president. And the effect of that is to give him judicial powers as well. Courts that he essentially sets up and transferable to him can put people in jail forever. And worse than that, uh, it also gives him the power to name enemy combatants who can be detained indefinitely in military jail. And that applies to American citizens as well. Okay. Uh, they at least can challenge, can challenge that. They may or may not succeed. Whereas uh, non-citizens, even... Um, people with uh, permanent status here, green card people, uh, do not have rights of habeas corpus, as I said at the beginning. So <laughs> we come back to my, <clears throat> my point. The Constitution has been suspended by the president. And um, uh, I think you were, you were expressing uh, in some incredulity that the words have, have been mentioned. And what I am getting at saying here in a roundabout, long roundabout way is, that the documents about the emergency measures to be taken in the event uh, of a natural disaster or in recent years, going back 20 years now, uh, in the case of uh, major dissidents, uh, unrest of various kinds, actually contingencies to be defined by the president pretty much, the words were used. The Constitution will be suspended. Although, as I say, that's unconstitutional. <laughs> We don't have yeah. a constitution such a provision, for, yeah, and, and no elected official for war. But uh, according to the president, we do. Yeah. If so, uh, if you've just tuned in, we're talking to Dan Ellsberg, uh, a former defense analyst and um, writer and speaker about about political issues. Um, if you want to give us a call, the number is four one two two six eight nine seven two eight. Although we seem to be having lots of uh, having no trouble filling up the time without calling, so if you don't really have a good question, you don't have to call. Um, but anyway, so um, I, I just wanted to sort of 
maybe put this, summarize uh, kind of the big picture uh, for just for a second, if I, if I might. Um, basically, I think the theme of your, your talk was, and what you've been saying now is also that this infrastructure is being put into place piece by piece. Uh, and, and there's a whole bunch of very discrete, concrete things that we can talk about. Uh, the, 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 uh, the suspension of habeas corpus, the signing statements which basically allowed President Bush to override Congress, the illegal eavesdropping that's now become standard and, and even seems to be accepted now as appropriate. They seem to want to have amnesty. That, that's, oh, and that's, we haven't mentioned the, by the way, let's do so now, the assertion of the right to torture. Yes, uh, I was going to look. The president I was gonna, does not have. Yes. By the way, of course, the president says, <laughs> no problem there. We do not torture. But he manages to say that, I suppose, with his fingers crossed behind his back somehow. Mm -hmm. But he right. manages to say that in light of the fact that his lawyers tell him that he has a right to define the word torture any way he wants. And so things that people like uh, Senator McCain, who has been tortured, and uh, many others, and lawyers, all say, uh, the things that we are actually doing, directed by the president, and uh, in CIA prisons uh, abroad and in Guantanamo, are by any normal sense of the word uh, torture. Well, it's even more than that. I think I think that actually in the that they were actually defined what the Germans were doing, and and the people were hung in uh, in the Nuremberg tribunals for for doing the same stuff that is being done. I mean, forget the word torture. It's just the physical acts that are being committed on these prisoners are the same acts that were for which these people were hung. So it's it's absolutely clear there the torture thing is going on and and and, and it's just been just to continue my list, okay? I, I don't I mean I, we could go deeply into any of these and we should. Uh, the uh, May the, I the, I'm not sure. I studied Nuremberg quite a bit, although my memory is rusty to some extent. I'll just raise a question there. I'm not sure that that was a charge in the trial, certainly the major Nazi war criminals. Obviously there was a lot of torture by the Nazis. They were famous and they even boasted of it. But, uh, and they were, they've been imitated uh, since then by many people, including us or the Iranians. Okay, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm wrong about that particular thing. Uh, but there, there, were, there were torture techniques described by, by the way, well, They were hung for a crime against the peace, for aggressive war, for conspiracy to uh, commit a crime against the peace. And there's no question in my mind that the people who invaded, who were involved in the decision to invade Iraq, were guilty of the same international crime that the uh, Germans faced for the invasion of Poland, France, Czechoslovakia, no, and the other no, no question about that. And uh, just, just a couple other points that I wanted to mention: the private privatization of the military. Um, yeah, we're, we're now, now. Are you still there, Dan? Yeah, okay, so the, the, the fact that now we have this private military that's running around under the control of Bush that sort of seems to have absolutely no legal um, uh, framework in which to control what they're doing. Uh, we have uh, also, the, as you mentioned a minute ago, the control of the National Guard sort of as an internal army that can be used against it internally. So, I mean, all of these things are a bulwark. Naomi Wolf has pointed out in a very good book, which I just read and I recommend, called The End of America, where, by the way, she defines America in terms of the America defined in the Constitution and the uh, in the Bill of Rights, that America, which uh, many people around the White House don't really believe. They think, well, we're Americans too, but but uh, and indeed, a lot of Americans in 1776 uh, and later 
did want the rule of King George III to continue. John Adams felt that a third of people in the colonies at that time preferred the monarchy to continue, a third of them, maybe a half in the New York area, Adams said, where the, where the British were headquartered. So there's always been a lot of Americans who believed in monarchy, and they're running our government right now. Yeah, the, the authoritarian impulse on the part of the Bush administration is absolutely clear, and it always shocks me the extent to which the Republican Party nationally uh, seems to subscribe to the same uh, to the same general point of view and seems to endorse it, and shamefully so do the Democrats in Congress. And I wondered. Um, the Democrats have gone along with it. I, I think uh, some of them, obviously, out of fear of being called names, terrible names, which are I don't. How pathetic. I sympathize with their desire not to be called traitor. I've been called <laughs> traitor a lot, and I can mm -hmm. testify that it's not at all pleasant. Uh, there's nothing nice about it. The question is whether the fear of being called those names will keep you from upholding your oath to defend the Constitution. Many Democrats who took the took that oath, along with the Republicans, to defend the Constitution, and they are violating it. The ones who have let the president get along without challenge go along. Just like the people who keep the president's secrets and documents from Congress that Congress is entitled to get, they are violating their oath to uphold the Constitution. Just as I did in 1964, 65, when I knew that when my boss, and Johnson, was flying the country into a war, I did not tell Congress that. I did not put that out, and though I didn't realize it at that time, I was violating my oath to... Uh, and thank you very much for that because it was instrumental in bringing bringing to the public's mind the fraud of the Vietnam War and we need uh, similar efforts some of which you're engaging in now to bring forward the fraud of well, the I, Iraq I began War. obeying the oath uh, yeah, some years later <clears throat> so I think uh, in fact, I, I wasn't any longer an official but uh, from my point of view the obligation to defend this Constitution is mine for the rest of my life. Well, um, thank you for that. I, I certainly appreciate it very much. This is a good a good moment for us to mention. We're speaking with uh, Daniel Ellsberg, who is uh, now a uh, retired, a former uh, former uh, official in the uh, State Department and the uh, Department of Defense, who is now uh, a political activist and who is trying to expose the uh, the crimes of the Bush administration and really to warn us about uh, what is what is happening what is happening to our society that so many people seem to be either unaware of or not care about. I want to mention um, Daniel Ellsberg has a website, as many of us do, uh, which is uh, ellsberg.net, uh, and, and let me just uh, mention the spelling. For those who don't know, it's E-L-L-S-B-E-R-G.net, and there are links there to uh, Daniel Ellsberg's recent speeches and writings and some books that he's written recently, and I encourage our listeners to have a look at that. There's a lot of very interesting material there. Yes, well, in fact... mentioning websites, uh, let me <clears throat> mention to your audience the website that Naomi Wolf, who I mentioned earlier, and others has started called AmericanFreedomCampaign.org, AmericanFreedomCampaign.org, and they have laid out an, an agenda and a pledge for candidates to take on many of the issues we've described here, getting it, uh, asking the candidates to pledge that they will not, as president, suspend uh, Habeas corpus, that they will not torture, that they will not detain people without uh, 
let, let me re- let me read let me read the pledge now the pledge says uh, the American freedom pledge pledge says we are Americans and in our America we do not torture we do not imprison people without charge or legal remedy we do not tap people's phones and emails without a court order and above all we do not give any president unchecked power and then asks I pledge to fight to protect and defend the Constitution from assault by any president and you're welcome to sign that so uh, that's at AmericanFreedomCampaign.org and yes, they have gotten support for that now uh, from all of the Democratic candidates uh, three of them didn't both signed the pledge, but they, they wrote uh, lengthy letters in which they expressed the same thoughts. And one Republican, Ron Paul, uh, none of the other Republicans have uh, huh. to sign on to that. Oddly it's enough. Perhaps, perhaps not because they totally disagree with it, because they cannot, uh, they don't want a Republican candidate so blatantly to contradict their own president of their own party, who does blatantly contradict, uh, who does disagree with it totally. So uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about something slightly different. You, you've uh, got a project, I see it on your webpage here, the Truth Telling Project. Uh, it says the Truth Telling Project encourages whistleblowing in the national interest. Yes. Uh, you know, I don't think uh, in terms of your introduction of me, and a lot of your, if your viewers are under, your listeners are under 50, uh, they don't have direct memory of it. Yeah, so you, you may... I didn't mention that uh, please do. after I was an official of the Defense and State Department, I did reveal 7,000 pages, actually, of top-secret documents to the Congress and to the press for which I was put on trial. Now, the documents I revealed were, by that time I revealed them, were historical. Uh, I, I gave them to the Senate in 69 and to the press in 71 when I was put on trial. But uh, they all, the documents ended in 68, and the war, of course, was in very full progress when I put them out, and, the, and putting out these documents did not have any immediate effect on the war. What I've been urging people to do, and in this truth-telling project, a uh, couple of dozen former officials who all had high clearances have joined me in this, uh, is, is to ask people, don't do what I did. Don't wait till the bombs are falling and the war has started, a new war in Iran, for example. Or not, for example, it's the one that we're facing right now is a real probability, I would say. Don't wait till that happens until you, if you know, you have documents to show that the public is being misled on that subject and, and misled into an extremely dangerous, illegal, and wrongful war as was true in Vietnam, and as was true in Iraq. We really have had a lot of leaks and memoirs about the lying and the, the criminality that got us into Iraq, but unfortunately that's all come out after the war was well started and hasn't had much effect on it. So my hope is that if people will tell the truth for the first time, really, before the war, at a time when there's a real chance of stopping it, they will be not only exhibiting the highest patriotism, but they will be earning the, the gratitude of their countrymen. So you're going to, uh, it's a talk, encouraging whistleblowing in the national interest. And, and uh, what, what, what do you do besides give a pep talk like the one you just gave? I, I guess uh, that's 
important. Uh, but uh, and, and you, as a person who already did it, is, is, you're, you're talking from a position of of sort of authority on this issue. Um, it exposed myself to. Uh, <laughs> well, I accept at the end of my career, my clearance, and all that. I did expose myself to a long prison sentence. I actually was charged for a possible 115 years. However, I can't say that I acted in a timely way, as I'm urging people to do. Virtually no one has done that. So I'm asking them to do something that no one, including myself, has really done. And that's yeah. before it's too late to tell us the truth now. I'll give a very concrete example. Uh, right now, in the Democratic-controlled Congress, is uh, expressing outrage that they have not, cannot get from the president documents that have been, the contents of which have been leaked, uh, but not the documents themselves, relating to two separate areas, the torture, uh, secret memos that, according to the, uh, the leaked document, the leaked contents, uh, reversed the administration's claim that they had changed their position on torture and that they were not torturing. And on the other hand, documents having to do with the origins of the National Security Agency wiretapping, which has been going on now for six years, uh, of which at least, which has been outrageously legalized to the extent that it can be legalized, I think to the extent, because it's totally unconstitutional, but at any rate, there is a law it gives it some basis, uh, recently passed in August, whereas the, the, the program was going on for five years before that, clearly illegally every day. So they won't give, the White House will not give these documents. Understandably, uh, they don't want to give them, but also expressing their somewhat unprecedented attitude that they don't really have to, despite the law and despite the Constitution, that they really have no obligation to give them. What I'm saying to people in the government now is, if you have those documents and you don't give them to Congress for them to exercise their oversight capacities and to pass legislation, you are violating your oath of office right now, which is to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That's the word for the oath. The fact is, I would say that bosses on principle, that's almost the worst of it, the principle that uh, they owe no information to Congress, that they alone are the deciders, those bosses, starting with the President of the United States and the Vice President, seem to me clearly to be domestic enemies of the Constitution in the sense of that oath. If they aren't, uh, there never have been any such enemies, and they're not likely to be. And I'm not saying that they don't want the best for their country, or that they're, they're working for some other country. I'm not saying that they're traitors in that sense. Uh, I am saying that their sense of what the country needs is a king, and they don't approve or agree with the current Constitution that they swore to uphold. They really have a right to, to express their attitude to bring back the king, the head of king, whatever they want to call it. They have a right to express that. It's a free country still. They don't have a right to act on that, having taken that oath, until they simply resign and repudiate yeah. that oath. It doesn't apply to them. 
they are defying the Constitution, and I'm, I go back to saying, if you ask what can people do, people who have access to those documents, and there have probably in quite a number, can simply take them out of their safe and hand them over to Congress. So, um, I had a question. Oh, yes. Well, regarding your own, your own case, um, you didn't end up getting convicted. Um, and I, As a result I, of, of government clear-cut criminality against me, which was discovered just before my case went to the jury. So after almost five months in court, uh, a whole series of, of government crimes against me came to be revealed. And as a result, my case was charges were dismissed. Actually, that was the first time that charges were ever dismissed for such grounds. Huh. So uh, what would happen if somebody did try, do, do what you just suggested? Uh, and, and on constitutional grounds, um, we tried to take that defense. In other words, if, yeah. if they were then arrested and tried, uh, this kind of defense uh, it sounds being, really novel. The would not be on strong grounds uh, at all for claiming that they had done the wrong thing by revealing clear-cut, on the one hand, clear-cut, administration criminality, and on the other hand, by passing on information that it clearly was clearly being wrongfully withheld from Congress. Nevertheless, uh, the, the government would argue, uh, almost surely, that they had uh, were guilty on that, and would, uh, would very likely bring charges against them. I'm saying it's not at all certain that they would win, the government would win. Yeah. But it's not certain that they wouldn't either, and yeah. especially in the current climate. And if they did win, uh, the chance of their, that being upheld by the Supreme Court, the current Supreme Court, is very much greater than it would have been in my time. It was a different Supreme Court then, one that, that took the Constitution seriously. Yeah. And what I mean by that, I've just been reading a very good book by uh, Charlie Savage of the Boston Globe called Takeover, which makes uh, clear much clearer than I had realized before, that both Justices Roberts and Alito have a long record of believing, much as Richard Cheney does and his chief of staff, Dick Addington, uh, that the president really deserves all power, that he shouldn't be restrained and can't be restrained. The very unconstitutional attitude in our country, very familiar in the rest of the world and in world history, but it's not in line with the experiment that was undertaken here a couple of hundred years ago. So uh, we, uh, we've been talking to uh, Daniel Ellsberg. Um, it's been a very interesting conversation. If you want to find out more about um, his activities and, and what he's been up to, you look at his webpage, ellsberg.net, E-L-L-S-B-E-R-G.net. And... Um, I really uh, admire the courage you showed and what you did uh, in the, in, during the Vietnam War, and um, also want to thank you for the speech you gave at the American University, as well as coming on to our program. Well, thank you very much for being on Left Out, Daniel Ellsberg. Thanks a lot. I enjoyed it. Uh, oh, by the way, Daniel, before you hang up, if you want to listen to the program later, you can go to leftout.info, and we'll put up the, uh, the MP3 files. Oh, so wait, wait, let me take that down. Uh, what do you... It's a left out, one, one word, L-E-F-T. How do you spell that? L so left out? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Dot left, info. Say left out? Yes. Dot hey, left out, one word, yeah. Dot, dot info. 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 Yeah. Is that all? That's it. 
leftout.info. Right. That's our web our webpage for our program, and the the audio okay. files will be there. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you for your for your for your work, and uh, best of luck to you and uh, and to your family uh, as as you go forward go forward in your efforts. Thank you. Thank you for being on Left Out. Let's take a, a brief uh, musical break, and we'll come back in a few minutes' time. We have a bunch of other topics. He's to not discuss. ready. He's not ready with the We're music. Waiting for the we have to wait for to we have to be at the talk okay. for another two minutes. Well then, while he gets some music. Since well, we can we help, help people together. if they want to give us a call. Although they won't be able to talk to Daniel Ellsberg, it's uh, they certainly can. Four one two two six eight nine seven two eight. And join the, the AOL chat room. Left out is other possibility, or send mail to Bob at leftout.info. One thing to mention: uh, it's already old news, but I want to mention it anyway because uh, it's a kind of, for me, a kind of triumphalism that I'm engaging in here, which is to congratulate uh, Al Gore for his uh, being honored for the, with the Nobel Prize for Peace. Everyone knows about this. Yeah. Uh, the right wing uh, Looney Tunes are swinging from the chandeliers and <laughs> throwing feces and stamping <laughs> their feet and uh, behaving like the monkeys that they typically are uh, in <laughs> indignation because you know, as uh, Paul Krugman pointed right, out right. in the uh, in his editorial, in his op-ed piece uh, this uh, last yesterday. week, yesterday was it? Okay, uh, that uh, the thing that infuriates them the most. He calls it uh, Gore derangement syndrome. We've all <laughs> we've all uh, very much. Uh, it's been very much in evidence for the last uh, seven years, especially. Um, and so all the uh, the nut jobs on the right are going completely insane because Al Gore uh, received the Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> but really, the real reason, as Krugman pointed out, is because he's consistently right uh, over and over all the warnings that he made about the Iraq war, his uh, calling attention to issues of global warming and so forth. He's consistently right. He's right over and over. And as longtime listeners have left out, know, we've played a number of speeches that uh, Al Gore gave uh, about, about two years ago now um, for Move On. He gave a series of speeches around right. the country. And we played several addressed, of them or excerpts from them, some of them in full on left out. He addressed the torture issue, um, a, a other all the constitutional abuses. issues. <clears throat> the outrageous lies and misrepresentation. And even be and before the war, he gave a speech which was reviled. Reviled because um, uh, he's a nut job, as we know. Even though he was saying we shouldn't invade Iraq because we don't know what's going to happen. for the exact reasons that have occurred. So congratulations to Al Gore for, his, uh, for having the Nobel Prize for Peace. I hope that he makes uh, good use of it to rub the noses of the idiots in, the, in Washington who are running our government into the ground uh, and call attention to, uh, to their, uh, to their, to their follies. Well, we're going to take a, uh, we're going to take a brief musical break, uh, catch our breath and we'll be back in a few minutes time. Oh, welcome back to Left Out. You're listening to Reality Based Radio on WRCT 88.3 FM. Uh, you can, uh, welcome, listeners are welcome to call us as ever at 412-268-9728. You can send mail to Bob at Left Out to info or you can join our chat room on AOL. Uh, it's called the chat room name is Left Out, oddly enough. Um, so we have a number of other, uh, topics for discussion today that you might like to join in with us. Uh, Danny, you were, you yeah. were, were going to start. Well, I've been reading, uh, uh, one of my favorite bloggers, Glenn Greenwald, he's on salon.com. And uh, one of the things I, I thought was interesting, he's been talking a lot about the, the, the latest thing with the... Uh, the indispensable Glenn, Glenn yeah, Greenwald. Yeah, right. Um, the, um, the FISA uh, issue, where the um, it's, it's beginning to get, get really heat up now, but the, the, the Congress passed a bill that, that changed FISA in some ways that Bush wanted them to change it, but it didn't include amnesty for the telecom Companies, okay. which gave him access, which illegally gave him access, gave the, the NSA access to all of, all the phone records, or we don't even know exactly what 
what they're doing. It's all completely secret. But um, apparently it was illegal, and the Bush won't give the documents to Congress explaining what they're actually doing, won't tell anybody what they were actually doing. But now they want to. Now he's demanding that they include uh, amnesty for the um, the telecom companies for this, um, which is sort of retroactively like you know you violated the law, but well we're not you can't no lawsuits. See they're worried about lawsuits filed by customers. Of course, the, the Constitution privacy. forbids ex post facto laws and uh, bills of attainder, which are laws that are uh, directed at particular individuals or corporations, uh, I would add, uh, to, uh, you know, for their personal benefit. But never mind, you know, yeah. uh, the Constitution is just a piece of paper. But the, the, the thing that I, the, the one, the, just the one part that I want, I recommend to, to all our listeners to read these, uh, these, these blog posts by Glenn Greenwald. But one of the things that struck me was the, uh, his, his analysis, I mean, he reads a lot of, a lot of the, you know, uh, the punditry from coming out of the the Beltway he reads a lot of uh, the right wing stuff, um, and um, he's apparently a whole lot of the mainstream Beltway uh, pundits have come out in favor of the amnesty deal, and uh, this just is just so irrational and illogical, and and the arguments they're giving are just garbage, and uh, it does it just doesn't make a lot of sense that we should be giving these amnesty to these companies that that broke the law. Uh, and they, and it, not all the companies did break the law. Apparently, the Quest company uh, refused to go along with these requests, and which, which occurred before 9-11, by the way. Immediately after Bush came to office, they began to solicit uh, phone companies to start installing illegal wiretapping equipment. Uh, and this company, uh, Quest, um, refused. Uh, and as a result, apparently, it looks like the, they lost you know hundreds of billions of dollars of government contracts for setting up networks. Uh, for the Defense Department and punishment, yeah. Yes. So the only the only proviso to add there is that well, this information so far uh, it doesn't seem to be substantiated beyond the uh, assertions of this guy Nacho. I forgot his first name. Yeah, uh, who was uh, convicted of insider trading. So one can look at this two ways. I mean, you could uh, you could surmise as uh, one uh, is uh, sorely tempted to do that he's telling the truth that the Bush administration did engage in illegal wiretapping from the get go, and as a result of this non-cooperation was being uh, prosecuted and punished for his behavior. Yeah. That is certainly very possible. That is well within the range of abilities of our uh, of our uh, the Bush administration. On the other hand, it is also possible that he, having been convicted, is uh, trying to you know resort to yeah. base means to get his own retaliation and maybe try to argue his way out of prison. <laughs> He's currently cases Facing, on appeal and yeah. he's out of prison on appeal. So uh, I must say, until we hear some further, get some further corroboration, as much as I am inclined to believe him, yeah. uh, I think uh, we don't really know for but, sure but what's let, going on there. Let me just finish up this one point, though. Sure, please so, do. so he quotes, uh, so the, this uh, discussion, uh, Greenwald's discussion, he quotes Fred Hyatt in the Washington Post editorial page, explaining why uh, they, these companies were acting as patriotic corporate citizens, which is completely preposterous. Uh, and he go, uh, there were a bunch of other ones he quotes here. Um, let's see. The um, oh, I think it was Joe Klein of Time Magazine that did the same the same kind of the same kind of thing. So apparently they're all coming together to try to you know make this happen. And the Democrats are are uh, probably going to um, 
go along with go, it as they usually are, do. As they usually do, right. Yeah, so when we had the last election, uh, end of 2006, and we were justifiably jubilant, at least of having some symbolic victory, you will, our longtime listeners to Left Out will recall that we did comment on the air that, well, this is all well and good, and it's all very nice, and we're happy to see, for example, uh, the ever-lovable Rick Santorum kicked right out of office. Uh, this was really good. On the other hand, we said at the time, you know, but will it really make any difference? And I for one, was certainly not convinced. And unfortunately, as uh, events are bearing out, the uh, the Democratic-controlled Congress goes along with Bush administration policies, basically item for item. I mean, there's a little noise here and a little noise there, hemming and hawing of various kinds. But in the end, they cave every single time. I think the FISA extension, they, they tried to push that through last year before the new Congress, and they couldn't even get it through. Can you believe but that? something yeah. that they've now because gotten the through. Because the upcoming yeah. election. And then in August, you know, they happily passed it for six months, you know, only for six months, and then we'll, uh, you know, continue. Now they're talking about renewing it. With the military even discuss- Well, no, Wait, but also, which- no, the FISA extension. Yeah, yeah. And, and, the, and it's, it's just right, absolutely right. outrageous. And here we have the, the, the least popular and record- president in recorded history who is executing policies that, by every measure, the vast majority of the public, something on the order of 70%, are, do not approve of. And yet the Congress, the Democratic-controlled Congress, goes along with everything that uh, that Bush wants. I can't think of a single substantive issue in the last year and change uh, that they have, uh, that the, the since being in charge, actually a little less than a year, since the, they've uh, been in charge, that they've gone against the Bush administration and actually made significant changes. And as we've commented before, I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, 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 Hillary Clinton voted in favor of this Kyle Lieberman amendment uh, to declare the Iranian army, the army of the Iranian government government to be a terrorist organization, which many interpret as uh, laying the groundwork for an invasion or attack on Iran using the authorization for use of military force, which the Congress cravenly passed in 2001, um, to use that as an excuse for attacking Iran, and Hillary Clinton was supporting that. Well, one can go on. Uh, there seems to be no, uh, no, no initiative, no leadership, Clinton no denies- change of direction whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, from the Democrats that I that right. I've been able to see, and I, for one, am absolutely incensed about it. And uh, and and it seems uh, if we if we project forward from where we are now, and of course, uh, you know, there are many. Many, lots of time and many opportunities for significant uh, sea changes, but at the moment it looks like you know Clinton is going to win the election in a walk, and because the Republicans are so catastrophically uh, uh, inept uh, and criminal that uh, just about anyone can win, and, and Hillary Clinton is extremely adept at manipulating the political machine as necessary to get to get into position. So it seems very likely that she'll win, and here's somebody who's voting for this nonsense in Iran. Uh, yeah, you, you were about to jump. Well, in she system. defends yeah. she defends that by saying that well, that didn't. Somebody challenged her on mm-hmm. that. Well, did you read the legislation? It didn't actually you know, authorize the use of force in Iran. No, but, it's the but, dog whistle thing. It's but a, but it, 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 what it does is it declares them to be certain groups to be terrorist groups, right? And and if you combine that with the previous authorization for the, war, uh, that Bush right, is allowed exactly. to attack terrorist groups according to that authorization. So. But, you know, 
by induction, it, it, it implies that it is an authorization. It legally, it absolutely legally is. follows that it is and an authorization. And Lieberman certainly intended that, in my opinion. Uh, we have a caller uh, caller on the line, if you're welcome, if no, you're no, still there. No, no, I was wrong. Uh, that was a mistake. No. Okay, yeah. excuse me. I thought we had a caller. Uh, so, yes, uh, uh, you're, there's no doubt that this, in my mind, there's no doubt that this was intended, the intended part of the Lieberman, Lieberman's bill. And, um, well, we, we're waiting, we're all waiting to see. There's certainly quite a number of people who are expecting us to stage some sort of attack on Iran in the waning years of the worst president ever in the history of the United States. And, uh, certainly I can't, I can't say it would surprise me. But, by the way, did you hear that, that, before the U.S. attacked Iran, that Saddam Hussein offered to leave. Oh yes, that was uh, that was exposed in Osnar's um, yeah. memos. Yes, he offered for a billion dollars. We the, could have just the, the former Spanish. We president. could have just replaced him. Yes. Oh, of course, because but we know perfectly well it was totally obvious at the time that that was not on the table. That was not what was going right. on here. There were all these charades about what we were doing. The Downing Street memos made this clear, but it was completely evident at the time. You know, that's the thing that we've commented on over and over again and left out. It's not hindsight. It was obvious at the time. It was obvious at the time. Everyone who was going along with this crap knew perfectly well that that's exactly what it was and went along with it. And most especially our corporate press. Why? Because the corporations are in bed with the Republicans. It's perfectly clear. And uh, they just parroted and transcribed what they were told and uh, pushed, the, pushed the war line. And now everyone... Look at what it look look what it has wrought. As a matter of fact, there's a very interesting article uh, in the Washington Post uh, today called "The Real Iraq We Knew" by 12 former Army captains. So these are uh, one, uh, 12 more, a dozen more, in a continuing stream of, of course, uh, by the way, phony soldiers who were uh, who are uh, after the fact, after they retire, are pointing out the lies and the misrepresentation and, frankly, the BS that is being uh, distributed by the Bush administration and which has being willfully, credulously taken up by the Democrats, acting as if they believe this nonsense when they know perfectly well it isn't true, um, about our, our wonderful and ongoing and unexpectedly lengthy victory in Iraq. So they are talking about what's really going on. It's called the real Iraq we knew. And they're talking about today being five years since the authorization of use of military force, which I just mentioned a moment ago. And as they say, five years on, Iraq is in a shambles. And they say, as army captains who served in Baghdad and beyond, we've seen the corruption in the sectarian division, we understand what it's like to be stretched too thin, and we know when it's time to get out. So they ask, what does it look like on the ground? It's certainly far from being a modern, self-sustaining country. Many roads, bridges, schools, and hospitals are in deplorable condition. Fewer people have access to drinking water or sewage systems than before the war, and Baghdad is averaging less than eight hours of electricity a day. As usual, I may add uh, personally that the, the average Joe, or the average Muhammad, I might say, takes it on the chin because uh, this is the people who are getting uh, screwed in the deal, particularly the ones who aren't uh, even don't have the means to get it together to leave the country, as millions by now have done, um, creating a, um, a, a giant refugee problem from Iraqis uh, leaving. Mm. Going on, they uh, mentioned that the Iraq's uh, institutional infrastructure is sorely wanting. Even if they wanted to work together and, uh, and accept the national identity foisted upon them in the 1920s, they don't have enough Okay, they don't, they don't, they don't have enough um, 
trained administrators or technicians to coordinate themselves and on and on and on. No postal system, no banking system, no registration system. Of course, we, we dismantled all that stuff because of these right-wing nut jobs who wanted to impose their glorious uh, conservative uh, delusions about how to run a country. They were more concerned with passing a, uh, a, fair, a tax law, the, the regulations on the, uh, uh, on the amount of taxation that could be charged in the future and so on and privatization of various businesses and so on as they tried to, uh, try to carry out their little fantasies. Um, before I continue, let me interrupt since we don't have too much more time to go. We have a caller on the line uh, very quickly, please. We don't have very much time. Okay. Um, I was just calling to encourage people to telephone their congressmen and senators and, and to go to their offices physically, just show up at their offices and tell them what we think about these things. I called uh, Representative Doyle's office today to complain about uh, Nancy Pelosi bringing up this issue of um, uh, genocide by the Turks against the uh, Armenians, which um, with our own hands so bloody, dripping with blood, that we have any moral authority to make a comment on something that happened in 1914 is just bizarre. It's bizarre in the and extreme. And insane. And so I called Doyle's office, and I asked, has anyone else called to complain about the idiocy of uh, the uh, Congress passing uh, a resolution on this issue when our own hands are dripping with blood? And he said no. No one had called him to complain. So anybody that's listening, uh, please call all of the congressmen in our area tomorrow and the senators and complain about uh, the idiocy of this. When, that, when we can't even stop our own mercenaries in Blackwater, we can't stop them from shooting down women and children. So how can we make a comment about Turkey, something that they did in 1914? Here, here. Thank you very much for You're that welcome. call. Yeah, and oh, I would, one thing I would concur with, uh, 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 that issue to me isn't the thing I called my, my congressman about. It, uh, it, was, it was the... Um, the FISA, uh, the the amnesty for FISA violators for the telecom corporations. I, I told them I didn't want I, to give them amnesty. I thought it was outrageous. Right. So. Um, but the thing right. is, people are not calling, and people are not. It's not that hard to go down there. Uh, Specter and Casey are in the same building, on the same floor. You can go to 425 Sixth Avenue and hit both of them. Then you can go over to Congressman Doyle's office, just a few blocks away at 225 Duff Street. So right there, you can talk to three of your uh, elected officials, and then of course you can go to the other ones. Like uh, you know, their, their addresses are published in the. Uh, uh, Okay, thank you for taking the trouble to do that, and I heartily endorse your uh, your perspective on these issues. Thanks for calling. Uh, so I have uh, just to finish up in our discussion of this um, of these uh, twelve captains. They point out a number of things about uh, the surge, uh, which is uh, Bush's uh, uh, excuse for a plan in Iraq. And as he mentions, the totally obvious things they say, though t- though temporary reinforcing operations in places like Fallujah, on Najaf, Talafar, and now Baghdad may bring well on PowerPoint presentations. In practice, they just push insurgents to another spot on the map and often strengthen the insurgents cause by harassing locals to a point of swayed allegiances. Now, isn't that uh, rather 
an obvious point. And so this is uh, the kind of thing that I, I encourage uh, our listeners to have a look at this. Uh, have a look at this article by a dozen former captains who actually served in Iraq, unlike, for example, the drug-addled Rush Limbaugh or the uh, president or the vice president who had nothing to do with yeah. war when they had their opportunity. Uh, you can go and find out what's actually going on instead of listening to the BS that's uh, constantly distributed by the Bush administration. One thing that they close with the thought, which is it's been five years, it's time to make a choice. Uh, their, their view is the short of having an all-out draft in which everyone, in which we greatly ramp up our commitment to Iraq, the best thing we can possibly do is to get out. And uh, I think that uh, getting out now is the really the only the only possibility for Just dealing to make with that situation. One final comment on that. There's an article by Raya Gerar and Joshua Holland, uh, that excellent article pointing out that, in fact, uh, if we were to leave, if the U.S. were to get out of Iraq, that would be the be- it would not cause the bloodbath. It would actually be the forcing function to get rid of Al Qaeda and get them together again to, to build the country. Well, that wraps up our hour for today. Thanks again to Daniel Ellsberg for appearing on Left Out. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to John Katruber for producing today's program. And we'll be back as ever in two weeks' time. Thank you for listening. <laughs>